We're going at it at 110%. I just want five minutes of happiness, please. Just give me five minutes. And they did it! They did it! What the fuck? What the hell was that? Oh yeah! What the fuck are you talking about? I, I don't know what happens on my screen, but sometimes the, <laughs> the video tries to play twice. But um, yes, welcome to the weekly roundup. And our new Tuesday night time slot, what, for the third week now, almost a month now that we've been here. And uh, everybody in the chat room seems to have moved over with us. So we we love it. We love what's been going on the past few weeks. Let's keep it going. And, uh, you know, speaking of keeping things going, last night with the Eagles and Big win in the Vikings. We talked about playing a good team in prime time. You kind of having an eye test game for where this team was after some ups and downs in week one with the Lions. And, I mean, they played one of the better football games I've seen this team play, like, you know, top to bottom, start to finish, no matter what point of the year it was, no matter whether it's a prime time game, whether it's a one o'clock Sunday afternoon game. They they showed up ready to play and balled out, and Jalen Hurts uh, looked the best that he's looked at any point in an Eagles uniform, uh, had his best game as a pro by far. And for the first time, in my opinion, really looked like somebody that had turned the corner with all the things that we have been talking about and went, wow, yeah, that's a guy that can lead this team to the promised land and take us as far as we want to go. And I'm the biggest Jalen Hurts detractor, but me and you texted and we're talking throughout the course of the game. And I was very honest about, you know, my, my, my thoughts on how Jalen looked and I'm not afraid to be wrong. And right now I'm very happy to uh, see the progress that he's made and to say that, uh, you know, he had his best game as a pro and that I'm starting to trend towards yes. Um, you know, I, I think he is proved at this point, like right now, if everything keeps trending the way it is after this performance and there's not a huge step back, you know, yeah, he, he's a guy that's in a position to, you know, you can go win a lot of football games with him and yeah, you could win a Super Bowl with him. This talk about whether he's elite, whether he could do all these things that guys like Mahomes can do with the arm and all that, you know, is irrelevant to me. What I saw last night was a guy that can make, NFL throws and can make throws in the windows that, you know, guys aren't wide open guys. You know, the Dallas got it in triple coverage where he threw that ball in the window. They were daring him to throw and he did. Got it doesn't catch it. It's his first incompletion of the night, but it's probably his best throw of the night. Throws like that. Um, and he made it with confidence. Those are things that um, we didn't see a year ago that we needed to see this year. And I'm fired up about it. I'm excited to see that um, some of those things I was worried about, he really shoved it in my face last night. Of course, we got the the poll question of the day that we're talking about now, uh, which is Jim Hurts proved he is the Eagles franchise quarterback after the week two win, agree or disagree. And a good segue, is, of course, the the Vikings, We that's who we played last night. Uh, of course, that's one of the favorite teams and one of our guys here who's uh, part of the show, Alan Foy. So why don't you tell him about uh, contacting Alan Foy? 
Yeah, Alan was talking about it on, on social media last night. Um, a lot of the different things with the game. Um, and he's in Delaware now trying to get his new role going with the Cross Christian School down there, but still involved with real estate and in the Jersey area, the Delaware area, and those people all over. And if you're looking to buy or sell a home or looking for a change of career brokerage, you contact Alan Foy of VXP Realty LLC at 302-682-8820. Visit him at alan.foy at exprealty.com. No matter where you're at, Pennsylvania, it doesn't matter. He knows people. He knows the right people to get you in touch with. And EXP Realty is who you want to do business with, especially now in a market that is very – you want to make sure you're getting the right deal. You, you want to make sure you're not getting get, getting screwed um, you know, in a market that, that, that is as volatile as it is right now. So uh, definitely make sure you give him a call. Hit him up on Facebook or you know instant message, any of that too. So Alley Cat. What the – <laughs> I feel like we've got trolls that hang out in our like chat room every week. The passed out field, the quiz. Yeah, it was, that was, it was you a know. Great play by him, kept the play alive with his feet and kept his eyes downfield and made a great throw. Yeah, there, there was and, quite and, a few plays that were that way where it felt like he was extending the play and kept his eyes downfield and was actually looking to make a throw as opposed to just running. So that was big. He had too. a couple. He had a couple of uh, big throws after those uh, legal man downfield penalties where it would one put us in first and 15. The other was third and 15, second and 15. And then the next play after he, he looked downfield and he garnered big chunks of yardage afterwards and made that third down uh, and short possible. It was a third down and two on the first and 15. He wound up getting 14 to make it second and one. He was just looking downfield. He wasn't always looking to run the ball right away. He was using his vision because with how the Vikings played us uh, last night, I, I said it going in. They were going to play kind of passive in the way that they're not going to rush the quarterback and blitz as much. The, uh, the Vikings are a team right now on defense where they just they rush the front four. They attack with them. And then, then they play zone in the back. So they give you a yardage in between, and then they try and keep you from hitting you from deep, which I don't know why they were so scared of getting hit deep by the Eagles because we didn't – like Smith and A.J. Brown haven't killed anybody uh, in the first two weeks. But then again, we beat them with Quez Watkins, even with the fact that uh, they played two men deep. But then it came out apparently that it's with them not trusting too much in Patrick Peterson apparently, so that's probably why they did it. But you 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 had to be impressed with the fact that uh, Jane Hurts came in, he dropped back, he was looking at different reads, and he might have like ran to the right and to the left, but his main priority was to throw the ball and not run. He probably only had four design running plays; the rest were just rushing away from the, the, the blitz uh, and uh, throwing on the go or just running because he was taking what he was given. But he only had 10 rushes, and half, like I said, half of them weren't even designed. And he had he went 26 for 31. He had 80% passer rating. And his best throw, like you said, was the Goddard throw where he threw it in, in between three guys right on the dime to Goddard, but as Goddard was bringing it down, Dan Zeller uh, Jr. was able to break it up. So 
it got broken up, but it was still uh, one of his best throws I've ever seen him uh, put down. And he just looked like a different quarterback uh, these past two games compared to last year. I don't know what it was like, but it was like a combination, though. It was him ever since uh, Striking took over the play con. He's been able to dial up perfect plays uh, for us on offense. And then on top of that, just the guys that we added to the offense. Like you draft Smith last year, you bring in A.J. Brown, you have Goddard. You shore up the offensive line. The offensive line has been healthy the first two games. Those are, and then you have the running game that's been effective. Those are all things that are helping out with the development of uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, I guess you're a little bit behind. I don't know what you all of a sudden slowed down and were like talking in slow motion at the very end of that. So I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. For once ever, I didn't want to interrupt you and talk over you. Um, yeah. No, yeah, it's, you know, I, 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 there was times, you know, I didn't really know what to think of it because he just looks so much better than I think he's ever looked at any point um, consistently throughout a game. Um, and, and it was just really one of those things where you went, wow, yeah, there, that's it, right there. That's it, like this. This is it. Like, this is what we've all been talking about, what we've been waiting for. This is, like, that's it. Like, now, can that be consistent? Can this happen week in and week out? But that's it. This, this right off that start and how he looked in control from start to finish and was doing what he wanted to do. He was in control of that game offensively. You know, whatever throw he wanted to make, he could make. You know, what, you know, whatever they wanted to do offensively, they were able to do. And he looked, he looked comfortable with it from start to finish. And for the first time you looked at it with your eyes and you went, that's it. Like the it factor, you know, everything about it, like, what is it? That, that was it. And, you know, it, 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 it didn't, it looked real. You know what I mean? Like there's times where you go, okay, like it's nice for you to do that for one game. We've seen him do it for a gaming. Okay. But like, let's see him back it up next game. This is the first time for me where it looked so legit where like I was yeah. convinced that, you know, I, I really do think he's turned a corner. All these things that we were worried about with him being able to, from a timing perspective, making the read, getting the ball out on time, uh, you know, actually putting your receivers in, you know, in, in positions to, to be able to make plays after the catch, you know, all these things where these weapons that we brought in here, none of it matters unless you can do those things. And he was on point with all of it last night. And th this is to a point where you're, you're kind of, yeah, it's early in the year, and we owe you. Know, I'm I'm the last person to get all fired up about it. You know, an Eagles team. I'm like, let's all relax here. You know, it's yeah. This is what we do every single year. Oh, this team, it's going places. I know we're always going places. In Philly, we're always going places, and then we're not. You know, it's amazing how that works. But this is a team that gives you a legitimate feel like you should be excited about this team. Get, you know, get excited early on, get on that magic carpet ride early and try to ride it as far as it can go. Cause this team does have a special feel about it. And if they play like they have, you know, like they did the first week and last night, offensively, they're going to be tough yeah. to keep up with no matter who we're going up against. You know, if defense has an off day, you know, you still have a good chance to go out and beat a team because this offense looks like it's going to be hard to deal with on a week in and week out basis. And, and, um, and yeah, they, it's, they, it's they, the most excited I've been about an Eagles team since since the Super Bowl year. 
and we and the deep I mean the defense the offense has seen two different defenses in week one and two they got blitzed a lot week one uh, Detroit is shown that they're going to be blitzing early often and almost every other down with the team they had they they did it well against us and then you saw Hutchinson against Washington he had three sacks in that game uh, because they were able to feast on that uh, damaged line. Uh, of the commanders mm-hmm. and they get to do the same thing against uh green bay no no against minnesota uh, this week and uh, who are dinged up a little bit on the line after facing us but then we go and face minnesota last night and it was more of a passive they're going to drop more in co- uh, back in coverage and then just uh, like i said they're just going to rush the front four and, and see what they can do and try and continue into the short and intermediate throws, but he was getting throws everywhere. He was the dump offs. Uh, he was getting to the sideline. He had the the hair Mary throw to Quez Watkins, which was on the point. I thought one of the best things that he did, him and uh, Stryken did, was get Devontae Smith involved early. He had zero catches last week. What did they do? The first throw that they make is right to Devontae Smith. He had four or five catches just in the first half. He finished with eight, and they got him involved. Of course, Dallas Goddard uh, was the most productive guy. I love the fact that they were getting A.J. Brown the ball in in, in the middle of the field so he can run right after the catch. He had that one stutter step move that he made after one of his last catches where it helped him gain 10 more yards after the catch, and that's what you want to see. The only gripe that I have is in both games in the second half, they've kind of taken their foot off the pedal and played to just keep the lead. I don't know why they've done it or if it's just been by accident, but they need to just keep the foot on the on the pedal, keep going, and put more in to just show teams that they're going to be afraid to play you because uh, you've already put 38 points and then 24 against the Vikings. But against the Vikings, you could have had forty plus points with how they were playing, and, and then and then you had uh, Darius Slay on defense, who was uh, just un- unstoppable in coverage. Like Justin Jefferson was to the point where he had to go into the slot to get better looks because he was getting so frustrated against Slay, and then he comes out today and he basically puts his coordinator on blast. He was like. I was open a lot of times, and they just weren't getting the ball to me. He was like, "I I could I could have done better scoring wise, but you know." And then you look at it, it's like, no, that's not the case. It was Darius Slay had your number, and then you went to the middle uh, to be covered by Maddox, and that's when you mm-hmm. caught the passes that you caught. It was like, it was just great, uh, which uh, is pass coverage. Mm-hmm. Which is which is funny. One of the big, the one knock that like we all talked about with Jefferson yeah. coming out of college was how he struggled to make plays on the outside. And so yeah. far in the NFL, that hasn't been the case. He's made plays wherever he lined up. But you know, this is where people talk about with Slay, and they're like, oh well, like you know, when they bitch about the fact that he doesn't have as many turnovers or things like that, that it seems like all these elite corners do. But none of that matters necessarily if you're able to blanket, you know, a, a you know a guy. And, and blanket the other team's best receiver, you don't necessarily have to have a ton of turnovers if I know that you're just shutting that guy down and preventing him from being open throughout the course of a game. And then, you know, you're going to have games like last night where in the process of being able to blanket a guy like that, 
you know, turnovers just happen to, you know, to happen as a result of that. And, and he has two of them last night. So, you, you know, this, everything's set up on both sides of the football where, you know, th- this is a team that's built to go deep in the playoffs. And, you know, we, we always, we talk about the elephant in the room all off season. There's no elephant in the room right now. It, it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's it's just all you know it's all positive at the moment because it's hard not to be positive after watching last night's performance we talked about being concerned about that game and thinking this is gonna be a tough game this is a good football team the vikings are probably gonna go win the nfc north you know and this is a good football team you're dealing with probably the best vikings team they've had in a, in a long time and we shredded them we made them look like they're just yeah. a far inferior team to what we are and you know it's hard to not you know argue or look at it after two weeks and go who's the best team in the nfc I think we're clearly the best team in the NFC. I mean, I don't even know if that's close right now. Uh, you know, who, who's who's with? I mean, Tampa's two and zero, but Tampa struggled. You know, uh, it, it, with New Orleans, they're I still say, figuring things I out. They're say, not healthy. I, They've got one guy I, starting on their offensive line from last year. Like, we're the team that's set up, you know, to, to do everything and make the big run this year. Yeah. Like, it, it's it seems like everybody's going to chase us. I will say, if Tampa can get that offense clicking. They're going to be a team that we're going to have to deal with because their defense is on point right now. Their defense is playing lights out. It's just that offense is out of sync right now. Like uh, you got Mike Evans, who is suspended for next week. He had a decent week one. Week two, Marcus Lattimore kept them in check. You're waiting for Leonard Fournette to get going. Their tight ends haven't really played a role. Like, they're dealing with a banged up head. I think one of the guys retired, and then another uh, got hurt, and he's out. So they're trying to get these new guy, uh, bodies uh, involved now. So I think it's going to take them a game or two to to really get going. But the Eagles were able to come in healthy, ready to go. Almost every starter is is playing, and they're getting hot right away. The first half, I mean. Both games, the first half, they're on fire. Uh, they had t- 24 points this half. I think they had over 20 in or so in the first half of week one, or or it might have been 14. I'm not, I'm not sure which one it was yet. But they're, they're going to start early. They just need to play the same intensity in the second half that they do in the first half. Not worried about keeping the lead, just worried about score, score, score. Because how your defense was playing, it's taken a lot of the load off of the offense where they can just focus on scoring. They're not playing from behind. I think it was a smart move to get the first ball in the, right away at the beginning of the game because then it allows you to come, come in and score, which is what they did, and get that, uh, that advantage and keep it because then you're not playing from behind. Because when you play from behind, as you know, you start to see guys, quarterbacks or players force the ball in the situations, and you want to kind of limit that. And the way to limit that is by being ahead because then you play a little bit more loose. You're not worried about trying to catch the other team because you're ahead. And you play at a just a different level there. And I'm seeing it from him. I'm seeing the vision with him. Like we talked about how he has the noodle arm. I didn't feel like he had that yesterday. I feel like his arm looked great. I feel like the throws that he was making, he, he, like that 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 long ball to the Watkins, 
it looked like he had more that he could put put on top of it, but he just put it just enough to get it in front of Watkins for only him to get it, and he had five yards uh, on the on the DB behind him, and he just made it happen, and he let Watkins do the work there. Watkins beat his his coverage and juked him out and got behind him, and then he made the throw, and he waited to make the throw. It's not like one two. He looks at the first read. And that's all that happened. And then he runs. No, he was looking at the first, second, third read at times. And he had time to throw. Like he was taking every advantage of the time he had in the pocket because of the offensive line that we have. That's a big thing for him. Having that offensive line where all the guys are there, they do their job. That's why they're a top 10 offensive line because they're making the blocks, giving them the time to throw. And it's allowing him to progress in his skill set. He's getting better. He's getting more confident. And he's okay with just being in the pocket. And then another point that I like to see is when he did run, he slid down. He didn't dive. He, except for the two touchdowns, which I, I'm okay with him doing because it was at the goal line. I'm okay with that. But in the middle of the field, he, he had three uh, times where he ran. And he slid down in te- instead of like diving forward and taking the hit. He slid, avoided contact, and let the play uh, go another play. I'm happy with that. That's what you want to see. You're starting to see these guys, like I was uh, uh, trying to dive, taking punishments. Like you want the quarterback to be healthy. So the quarterback has to be smart in a lot of different situations. And I thought he is very smart with his IQ of knowing when to slide and when to dive. And he did that well last night. Yeah, no, I actually agree with that. Yeah, he did those times where it felt like last year he would have tried to extend the play or keep fighting. And, um, you know, and, and there was just times he's like, okay, I got four yards. That's all I'm getting here. Three guys around me, slide, get down. Let's, you know, let's go make something happen here on second and six or whatever. And, yeah, I noticed the same thing with that. He looked very in control. Uh, everything, everything start to finish looked like, um, you know, there was times where, you know, it, it seemed like um, throughout his career so far as a starter, uh, you, you'd be improv, you know, like half of it seemed like, um, you know, you take the snap, things are happening, he's reading it, he's dancing, he's, you know, going to try to step in the pocket, run to his right, uh, you know, just take off, you know, a- after his first read's not there because, you know, there's slight pressure into the pocket and he's like, okay, yeah. you know. I'm going to take off and just try to make something happen. And, and and with his athleticism, his legs, and his ability to extend plays, a lot of times he can make big plays happen with that. But um, it didn't seem like there was a ton of that last night. Um, he, he he pick and chose his times to fight and, and, and do those different things where you'd see him extend plays. He got a touchdown because of a second effort type of thing. But those are the times where you want to see that second effort, you know, when you're you're trying to run and you're inside the five yard line. You can hit it to two and we need the second effort to get to the goal line. Yeah. You're big and strong. Make that happen. But I don't need that when you're at the 35 and it's first and 10 and you're running and you're trying to fight for an extra three yards to get from the 35 to the 32. It's just silly. And those are the things that, that, that it seemed like last year he was doing this year. It's much more. Okay, good. We got four yards here on the, on the next play. Second and six. Great. You're in good. You're in good shape. You got four yards on first down. That's what you're looking for. It doesn't matter how you made it happen. You know, a rushing play of four yards on first down is a pretty solid play. Um, and it always has been in football terms, right? So, you know, then you move on to the next play and you're going from there. And 
uh, you know, it, it's, it seemed like, it seemed like there was times where, um, you know, he could have gotten off of reads or he could have gotten off of the, um, you know, he, he could have gotten off of, oh, my first read's not there. Let me just go run like I have in the past. And, uh, and that didn't happen. Uh, you know, he actually tried to hang in there and, and, and go yeah. from one read to the next. And, um, you know, it was something that you haven't seen. Whoop, we uh, just lost uh, Zach, so we'll be weighing in. But, uh, like, I just was very impressed with what I saw from him in general. And I think one of the biggest uh, moments that I liked – oh, I'll bring him back right in. I'm not there sure what happened for a moment. <laughs> Obviously, it kicked me off for a moment. But, yeah, you know, my, my point was, uh, you know, you mentioned the one play early on where he um, he kind of scrambled to his right and he kept his eyes downfield. I think he found Watkins down the field just short of the first down. But it, it was a play that you felt like, um, you know, he had space to go run and get something with his legs if he wanted to. But he decided that, you know, that he, he was looking to make a play downfield, that there was, you know, he knew there was going to be opportunities downfield with receivers. And he kept his eyes downfield as he scrambled to his left and, and made the throw and, and, and made an accurate throw at that. So he, he even had the one with Zach Pascal on third down. He, he, he shimmied to the right. He could have ran, but he, he kind of baited the, 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 the DB to move up a little bit to cover him. And then he just tossed it to the outside to Pascal yep. and Pascal got the first down. He started to use it who's advantaged to where he's starting to make the throws and kind of one of my favorite plays, which was a great design by uh, striking was on the touchdown uh, run uh, by Jalen Hurts uh, where he went 30 yards. It was the RPO. He RPO'd it, came to the outside. He was originally was going to look for Dallas Goddard there in the middle, but the, but I believe it was the linebacker didn't know whether to stay there or to cover Hurts. Uh, because if he would have covered Hurts, he would have had Dallas Goddard and he would have gotten a good mm. 10 to 15 yards because that was the only guy that covered him. But then he chose to cover Goddard. So then Hurts uh, just chose to run to the outside. And then uh, Goddard was actually following him, ironically, and made the two blocks in front of him. And then he cut the inside. And then you saw the videos of him doing the weightlifting in high school and college. Well, they came into play there because he was able to power his way two yards into the end zone. But it was a great call because he, he was given the option there. And the linebacker had to pick pick which poison. And he wanted to pick it wrong because Hurts' legs was able to make the play. He only did that because he was just – taken what the defense was giving him. Uh, so it wasn't designed for him to essentially run, but because of his legs, he was able to take advantage of it and get a touchdown. Yeah. You know, there, there was times last night where you looked at him and you went like, you, you, you're trying to be like, who is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, the, 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 this, yeah. this, this is a, you know, when when you looked at him, the start the game and how and how strong he was to start the game with his arm and his legs. 
I thought he looked like like Steve Young and Steve McNair mixed in the one quarterback. Like it really was, you know. What I mean? It was it was pretty pretty insane to watch him. You know, he's got like, he, he reminds you of Steve McNair when he runs the ball a little bit because the second effort's always there. He's always trying yeah. to you know be big and strong and break tackles and fight for that extra yard if you need the first down or need to get to the goal line or whatever. But last night there was times where you talked about like. You know how he was setting guys up with his legs to bring a linebacker in so he could dump the ball over the top and have enough space to, you know, to make the throw outside. Like those were things that Steve Young used to do. And like when they finally figured out how to sync up Steve Young's legs with his arms, you know, and, and he ended up winning MVP awards early in the 90s. You know, that like that's how all that came about. Like you always saw the potential with Steve Young, all the stories with Bill Walsh when he brought him in there. And they kind of groomed him, and it was like finally getting him to play within the system and understand how to use his legs and his arms and sync it all together to be able to play, you know, efficiently within what the offensive system was. And like, like it, it, he looked, he looked like he looked like a guy that had like a combination of all of that put together. Steve Young wasn't big and strong like that when he ran, right? Like he wasn't going to just go muscle out of a tackle and fight for extra yards. But Steve McNair would do that. Um, that's an awful comparison. Ew. <laughs> Alex, first of all, Alex Smith is actually really fast. Like Alex Smith has plenty of speed. He's a good athlete. Um, you know, no, I, I mean, I, I, you know, you, you hate to compare guys to Hall of Famers, but that's what it looked like at times. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, who, who is this guy? And like, in, in size, just, he's just, similar, I think, to what Steve Young yeah. was. He's a little bit bigger yeah. weight wise, but like, he's like, Steve Young wasn't a tall guy. Steve Young was like no. 6'1. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so Jalen, like, it's kind of like a good player comp when you look at who they are, like, except Jalen's right-handed. But, like, I don't think that's a bad player comp because especially early in Steve Young's career, it was a lot more like, oh, this guy's got a lot of athleticism and, you know, he can he can extend plays and do a lot of things with his legs, but he's just kind of all over the place and you got to kind of rein it in a little bit and figure out, you know, how, how, how do you sync up his arm with his legs to make it all work together as, as, as the best as, as it can. And that's where, like, Jalen – you know, we've kind of been at with the process of like the arm, like you see it at times, you know, and, and, and there's some of it that looks good, but there's good, there's bad, there's some ugly, but overall it's just inconsistent. And then last night it just all seemed to click start to finish for the first time in a football game. And, um, you know, now you look at it, you're going into week three against Washington who just got beat by Detroit. Washington's defense looks like Swiss cheese. I don't know how yeah. they're going to stop anything. We're going to throw at them. Um, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's you know I, I I was worried about that game last week. I'm not worried about that game at all now. Even if Washington Washington might score some points against us, their offenses looked okay. They've been chasing teams though. Uh, for, you know it seems like both weeks. Yeah, they were down to Jacksonville in week one for a little bit. And were chasing and came back and won. Yeah. They were down all game to Detroit and tried to chase and come back and win. But they even got themselves back into that game and then and then their defense couldn't stop anybody. So. You know what the fuck the uh, the kid for uh, the 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 receiver for Detroit St. Brown or whatever. Um, I'm on I'm on uh, St. Brown. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You know, I mean, he had a huge game, and you're like, what do you well, think? Him, AJ Brown. Him. You know, forget about Amon St. Brown. What do you think? What do you think of AJ? <laughs> uh, you know, and 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 Devontae Smith are gonna fucking do to the, the to, to that secondary. Holy shit. And, and we're not even like we passed thirty three times, but it was like I felt like it was a more balanced attack where we might have threw the ball a little bit more, but we still had over a hundred yards rushing. Granted, fifty five of it was Hurts, and then you had fifty plus from uh, Sanders, but then you had like twenty from uh, 
uh, Scott, and then you had stuff from Game Ball. Like you're getting everybody involved. I like the different running route, uh, running plays they're calling. They're being very uh, like broad with them. They weren't just sticking to run to the outside, run to the middle. They were doing stump plays. They're doing delays. It, and it was all working, and then that kind of helped out the whole game plan. It was like, okay, we can run early. They're getting five, four or five yards, so then send us up with the second and five right away, and it allows you to pass a, a little bit better because you're not going long yardage right away, except for when they had those penalties. They were doing very well on the early downs, and they did very well on third downs, which is which is great. I still want to see see a little bit better in the second half, but early in the first half of both games, that's what they were doing. They're having very much success with it. And I think having those two receivers that you have and got it there is a huge thing for the development of a quarterback like Jalen Hurts because he doesn't feel like he has to carry the word on his shoulder. He doesn't feel like he has to do – everything himself he was so programmed to being like that in college where he ran <laughs> first and then just set up the pass he goes to Oklahoma he gets CD lamb for a year and he gets Marquise Brown as well and then I think he even had uh that other receiver that came out this year and he would throw the ball and he saw that he could throw the ball but then he ran a lot anyway because of the offensive line there. But here, you got a great offensive line on top of these receivers. He can sit back and just uh, throw the ball, but he can shimmy to the left and right. He can not, not say like a bootleg, but kind of like a bootleg and find open guys on the outside if he needs to. If he needs to use his legs, he can use them to uh, find an open receiver. And that's what he's doing. Instead of using his legs to run, he's using his legs to uh, give uh, his playmakers more time to get open, and that's what I want to see out of him. Like, I liked what I saw from him. I really do. And str- I, I also think a big part of that is the offensive coordinator calling great plays. Like, I think the best move that Sirianni, Sirianni ever made was giving up the play call to his offensive coordinator because you're starting to see a lot of the open uh, playbook from him yeah, they have confidence in uh, Jane Hurts. Jane Hurts has confidence in his coaches. He obviously has the confidence in the team because he's the, uh, one of the leaders on the team. And it's just a positive atmosphere where I felt like when you had Carson Wentz there, you thought it was, but then you saw really it was really like just up in the air. It was a mixture of good and bad with everything going on. And then you're going into week three now. You, you've seen Carson Wentz had, have his moment. He has seven touchdowns, three interceptions, but just like you said, it was a lot of inconsistency in week one and two from the commanders. One minute, they'll be great and have a great drive. The next minute, they'll stink it up and turn the ball over. Then they'll go good again, but then they'll be three and out ne- the, the next. It's like that offense is, has consistency issues. It can be great, but then it could be bad. It all leads with Carson Wentz because he's getting some of that oomph back that he has. But it, like I've heard that a lot of the radio saying, 
they don't think he's ever going to get 100% back of what he is. He, he has some of it back, but he still has the cons there that will hold him back. So he's more like a wishy-washy quarterback where he's going to make plays one minute, but then he's going to make bad plays the next. And you're never going to know what's going to happen until it happens. Yeah, you know, I was watching some of that um, some of that Lions-Washington game, and I guess it was on Red Zone or whatever. I was watching Red Zone. And yeah. the thing that is still so frustrating about him that was always frustrating here, I mean, good Lord, he'll stand in the pocket and just like you've got pressure off the like, – Aiden Hutchinson got to him like four fucking times. He just stands there as the dude runs around the corner and just swats the ball out yeah. of his hand. You're like, dude, like how long have you been in the league? Like you can't feel somebody? Like you can't feel the pressure from behind? Like I get it. There's pressure. So just go down and get sacked or something. But you can't just keep getting the ball smacked out of your hand. It happened again in the end zone. They smacked the ball out of his hand and they got a safety out of it. Like it's – He's, it's just like I don't know if he's egotistical. I just don't think like again like we, we've talked about it. Like I've talked about it now like every single week when we talk about Carson. Some guys are motivated by winning. Some guys are Brett Favre. Some guys want to go out there and punch you in the mouth and kick you in the balls every single week and mm-hmm. just stick it to you. They're motivated by that. Like that's what they love. Some guys are just motivated about, about you know. Some guys are motivated by you know. Some guys are motivated by playing football and some guys are motivated by what football gives them. And Carson yeah. seems like he's one of those guys that's motivated by what football gives him. You know, he's got a lot of money. I, I, he's I stable he's, now. I think he's he, got yeah, the family life, all up. that. He's set for life. You know, he learned early on with the Eagles what the business, what the dirty business side of this can be, and how you know it's very cutthroat and all that. And he just okay, whatever. There's the, there's no competitive fire there, and that's why he's a loser, and that's why things like this happen. Um, you know, where like this is a guy like why why do you lose the Jacksonville last year in weeks in week 18 or whatever when you need to beat the the worst team in football to go to the playoffs because you're a loser because you don't have a competitive fire that's worth anything and that's fine and you can go look see like guys like Brett Favre wouldn't have been able to lose that game and then go live with themselves in the offseason you know what I'm saying Carson I'm just gonna go hunt deer and I'll be fine okay well you can go hunt deer and be fine but like there's other people affected by this. Like you can just go be fine because you've got your hundred whatever million dollar contract and it's okay. But there's other people affected by it. You can live with yourself by being a loser and by not, you know, you know, be being motivated by winning. Other guys are motivated by winning, and that's the difference. He's not motivated by winning, and 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 and, and that's why in big games and in, in, in big situations, he's always going to come up small, just like he always has, and that continues to be the case. So it is what it is. It's, it's not that he's a bad player, but he's just, you know, he's just. He, he has a loser mentality when it comes to what, you know, like there should be a competitive fire that's always burning yeah. where you're so pissed off by losing. Yeah. It irritates you so much that you want to go out there and win, you know, you know, that badly. It's not because you, you want to win so bad. It's because you hate losing so much that winning becomes your only alternative. And like, now that's just, think, you know, it, it, that's not his mindset. That's Jalen Hurts' mindset, it? though. Jalen Hurts has that mindset. Do you think that he had it and then lost it? When yes, he got absolutely. And then, and then, of course, Nick Foles comes in, yeah. wins the absolutely. Super Bowl. I, then, I mean, people then, talk about why, why, why was he the player at one point and he's not the player now. Absolutely. Be, be, because he, be, because he, he, he at one point in 2017 before the knee injury, he was a guy that was motivated by all yeah. that. And then he gets hurt and everything happens with you know the Nick Foles situation and it's it's nobody's fault it just all happens by coincidence and you're happy that it happens you get the super bowl out of it but he learns right there in that situation what this business is you're ju- nobody's irreplaceable right just like yeah. Drew Bledsoe learned that the hard way right nobody's irreplaceable somebody can come and take your job just like that and some guys handle that you know differently than others and that broke him I think I think that broke him and you've never seen the the same guy from a mental perspective and from a competitive fire perspective 
And, you know, there's a reason why he's never been the player, the same player ever since then. Is he a bad player now? No, but he's just not a guy that's ever going to take you to the promised land at this point. So, you no, know, no. he'll stick Especially around the league for he... a while because he's a good enough player to stick around the league. But, you know, you, you, you Jalen Hurts is a guy that you look at his competitive fire, you go, there's a guy that wants to win, right? There's a guy that wants to, well, you know, w- wants to do everything he can to put this team on his back yeah. and go lift that, you know, and, and go take you to the promised land. But, you know, then and again, you know, Jalen Hurts the, is the, one the, hit away. Jalen Hurts is one hit away from maybe all that changing too, right? Trey Lance just mm-hmm. snapped his leg in two with the Niners, and you know you never know what happens with their fit. That might be the best thing to happen to the Niners this year is that happens with Trey Lance, and now Jimmy Garoppolo has to start. And you know Trey Lance was looking like a guy who wasn't quite ready to, to kind of have all that you know pressure on him. And you know it's unfortunate that it happens that way, but you know maybe that's the best thing to happen to the Niners. But who knows what happens with Trey Lance's career now? He had all that potential, all that upside. You're like this guy that has all the talent to be a great player. It's just, you know, he's not quite ready yet. But, you know, how does he come back from snapping his leg in two? He had, uh, they said he snapped it in two and there was a ligament injury. Well, yeah. <laughs> we got to see how guys respond to that. But there's, again, a young player, you know, that you, you don't know how, you know, you're going to see what happens and, and it tests their fortitude. Um, Joe Burrow went through that, right? Snap, you know, he has the, the bad knee injury early. There's a guy that's a winner. There's a guy with a competitive fire that's so, it just, it's always burning that it pisses him off the loose or bad. You even saw it in the Cowboys game. How many times was he pissed off at his offensive line? Did, did you see him like wave off the offensive coordinator when I think they were trying to talk to him about and he just waved it off like yeah. it's fine. Like whatever, like we, we got it. Like it's, uh, I know, I know what we need to do. We need to give me some time to throw the fucking football. That's what we need to do. You know, like, but I love that. I love to see a quarter that, that people got mad at Brady for throwing the iPad. I don't give a fuck. Oh, he's 45. He's throwing a tantrum. Good. I love the fact that that means that he still wants to win. That means that he's not done yet. When you still have that competitive fire at 45 where you're that pissed off, you're throwing your, your iPad around the sideline, good. I need that in my quarterback. I want you to be that pissed off. Yeah, and then the, I think the dumb luck with both the, the Eagles and the Niners is the fact that with the Niners, you have the whole Jimmy G situation. They decide to keep Jimmy G for a year, and then no one – How smart is that move by John Lynch? Uh, no, no one really offered anything for him to compel him, so they just kept him. How, just he said, how lucky it is that Lance gets hurt. You got the guy that literally helped you get to the uh, championship game last year and go to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Say what you want about him play-wise, but he can protect the ball, get, get the, uh, the ball to some playmakers at times and get the running game going and help you out there, and he's already on your roster. You don't have to make a move. And then with the Eagles, the dumb luck, like I was going to allude to before, uh, one of the downfalls of Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has had up and downs here. You know, he had the MVP season, cut short by injury. He comes back, and then he plays with no-name receivers two years later and has a resurgence, wins the last four games of the season, makes the playoffs uh, with the Eagles just to get knocked out of the game on their first or second play by uh, of uh, by the Seahawks, of course, by Clowney. And then he and then we drafted uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round. And a lot of people say dumb move. More than likely it was because we had our guy, and then we had just signed him to $123 million, whatever the contract was. But now looking at it, it's like, damn, the dumb luck of Howie Roseman where it makes a kind of a dumb move, but it's turning into a gem now of a great move because somehow you're able to get rid of the contract of Wentz. 
you got a first round pick out of it because they don't make the playoffs uh, uh, somehow. Like you would think that they would have made the playoffs. They don't make it. And then on top of that, you take that draft, uh, that draft pick that you got, and then you flipped it for AJ Brown. So, and, and then Jane Hurts is playing well. So it's like, a lot of all, all of that was happening is predicated on how Jane Hurts does. Jane Hurts does good. You, you you can hit on a lot of these picks that you're making because they're starting to actually do great in the draft. They're making the draft picks that they need. They're hitting on them instead of missing. And then you got a quarterback that's only making nine hundred thousand dollars this year and arguably next year. If he has a great year this year, more than likely they're going to. Um, give him an extension and pay him more. So you're still paying 900,000 next year, but then you're okay. After that, you're, you're starting to get paid, but this is the time you take advantage of the team that you have. And if he can keep on playing well, who knows you make the playoffs, you make the playoffs, anything goes. We've seen that you can, he can get hot and then you can win. And that's what happens. Uh, we've got a couple more comments. Uh, we have, we have an easy schedule, so we should be fine. Yeah, we got the commanders. I don't, I don't and we, know if we have an easy schedule. <laughs> well, right now we do. We have the commanders. We could go three and zero if we. Uh, then we have the Jaguars. We could be four and zero going into week five. And I said, with us having a week seven or eight bye, if we can get it to that point with, let's say, one maybe two losses. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. That's great. And then, especially with the play of. Jane Hurts, you want to see that. He said Seattle fucked up by not getting Jimmy G. Junior Smith isn't getting you anywhere. One of the two two big upsets. Yeah, but the thing with that was they thought that they were at least going to have Drew Luck lock and try and, and try and groom him and see if they have anything with him. But then he got hurt in, in a training camp, so they were kind of forced to start Geno Smith. Their plan wasn't to start Geno. It was to start Drew Lock, and then the worst comes the worst with them losing. Uh, they were going to just uh, look to draft somebody next year, but they were given this year. So it's like the, now they're sticking with Gino. We've got somebody say, we them boys, uh, this is our year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, we're a troll. Yeah, right. Overall, the medium lifetime earnings for all workers are $1.7 million. Hertz will make that in a year. He should be fine. We could be 10 and no going into the Packers game. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I think – there's a likelihood that we could be 4-0 going into week five, which is I think we play – that's when we play Dallas on Sunday night, which would be a, a good thing to be uh, undefeated by then and get tested by another divisional team uh, like we are going to this week. But like to me, as long as Jalen Hurts improves each week to each week and he continues that – the stretch and he doesn't uh, digress uh, by any means. Uh, this is a win week two, and I think uh, I agree with it. But uh, I'm going to transition over to the other games of week two. Uh, are there any week two games that stuck out for you? Like uh, I know there was a lot of upsets and a lot of good games that we didn't expect to be good games. Um. <clears throat> well, you know what, what's funny is, and I'm learning this as a as a as a as a sports gambler that seems to get better and better, um, you yeah. know, every week. But um, games where there's tons of money 
tons of money. And like everybody that bets on sports will tell you this, but it's so hard to pull the trigger sometimes. But like the Bengals Cowboys game, another example of it. Right. And even last night's game, a great example of it. 90 percent of the money on, on the Minnesota Vikings, you know, and and the Eagles roll. Right. That that Cowboys Bengals game. It's you know it's hard that you know, I I even made the joke I was like watch the Cowboys be better with Cooper Rush than they are with, with Dak Prescott they definitely aren't any worse it doesn't look like but you know the Bengals have terrible issues on their offensive line I mean just terrible issues and and defense um <laughs> you know and yeah they're they're just all over the place right now and that's a game that was like ninety percent of the money on Cincinnati and the Cowboys go and win a game. So games like that, yeah. Um, the Dolphins, that was fun. That actually saved saved my bacon. And what's funny about here, here's how my Sunday went. You want to hear fun stories? So here's how this went. One parlay I won because the Dolphins, who I had plus three and a half, came back from their 21-point fourth quarter deficit and not only yeah. back to recover that, but won that game outright. On the other side of it, another parlay that would have won me $125 lost because Cleveland blew a fucking 30 to seven, uh, 30 to 17 lead or whatever the hell it was with a minute 55 uh, to play. The computers had Cleveland with a 99.9% chance to win that game with a minute 55 to play. And of course they lost because that's how that goes. Cause I can't win $125. Why could I fucking do that? That's unbelievable. Yeah. So now to like, think about it. If Cleveland wins, I win that bet for 125 and then I yeah. would have won the other bet with Miami and I'm up like $250 for the day and instead fuck me. So that's how my Sunday goes. This is like, I don't, I don't know like this. It's my misery. Like, but I can't help the, myself. I, I just have to keep betting on this shit. And they they want to get our take on uh, uh, Miami. Uh, it was this uh, to his coming out party, becoming the guy there. I would have to say that it's a good step in the right direction. Obviously, with six he's, yeah, he's in a similar like, position to Jalen. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you can't you can't you can't say how oh, well he played the Ravens. The Ravens have a good team. The Ravens uh, were mm. were up by a lot. They had Jackson. The offense is good. And the, that defense played great in the first half, and they played great in in their first in the week one. And what what uh, two was starting to do was get get his receivers. Uh, Jane Wardle had a field day. Tyreek Hill had a field day. He was using their speed to their advantage. He was finding open man downfield in the middle of the field going, and they were getting the yards after the catch. He wasn't just looking to throw to him. Uh, the position receiver eyes. He was making them make plays, and that's what they were doing. How many plays were those where there were long touchdowns at the end of the game? I could like I think there was at least three in the fourth quarter when it was a long touchdown where he threw a long ball and got to his guy, and then the defense was able to just make enough plays. Miami has a pretty decent defense, and they they held it the down so they could come back. And then he was just able to make the reads and make the throws down the stretch at the end of the game to where he put him in the position to win. And, like, I think having the receivers now, like, he, he got Waddle last year, but I believe Waddle missed a little bit of time. And But then he showed, like, he had over 100 catches last year. But he was and Yeah, and you can't just have one guy, right? Yeah. Like, you, you can't just you have one in, guy. But then you bring in Tyree Kill. Who's gonna mm-hmm. take the the edge off the off the defense? Right. Which changes everything so at that point. Yeah, yeah. So now you have those two guys. And we question that because we said, you know, like in order for that to work, two has got to be able to actually throw the ball down the field and find them. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be an issue early on, does it? 
no, no. And we've noticed with uh, with, with the, the Chiefs now, the Chiefs are still going to be good. They got Mahomes. He's a star. But they've had to kind of change up their their game a little bit. The Chiefs are starting to become have to become more of a dink and dunk and short to me- mediocre range throws now. They're not making all these big yeah, – Well, that's a typical Andy Reid offense, right? That, 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 that West is. Coast offense, Andy loves to run. Let, let's slow the ball yeah. five or six yards down the field. Like you don't like you don't have that Tyreek Hill anymore, and they're not using Skyler Moore as much in the passing game right now. He's just a return man and playing on special teams. So, like, you might see it next see, year. Mahomes is one of those guys. Run, Ma- but you're not seeing it I'm now. Sorry. Like, no, no, you're good. But uh, I just – like – I love the explosiveness of the Dolphins, and, and like yeah, just like with Hurts, just like with the Hurts, mm. we're seeing the the progressions, but we just got to see it consistently week in and week out. Now, like this is a great start, but you have to see where they go week ten, week thirteen, week sixteen. The, the Dolphins, I've I've got all my gambling people tell me, especially one of my big football people telling me that the Dolphins are like like a sneaky sneaky good team like everybody's focused on the bills and the chiefs and all the you know the ravens and all the usual customers in the afc and they're like like if you look at the dolphins top to bottom like the the defense was already really good and down the stretch last year there was a reason they went eight and one or whatever down the stretch after starting what one and seven and they went what eight uh, seven and two or something the rest of the way like it was really a crazy you know year for them a year ago but that defense two years ago was like, you know, their bread and butter, right? And that defense is is really good still and playing really well. Uh, like uh, they played really well down the stretch last year and that's carried over into this year. They get the offense part, side of it figured out and you look at that Dolphins team and you're like, yeah, they can play with anybody in football. And, you know, the AFC is loaded, but still like that's fun to look at the AFC and go, oh, look at all these teams, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. the, 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 the Ravens, you know, you, you, you got the, the – you know, the Bills, you, you, you've got the you know, what now looks like the the Dolphins in the picture. That's yeah. four teams right there, and then you're like, you know, there's you know, we we talk about the Raiders and all these other teams in the AFC that you know the Chargers, right? And and and, and all these teams, you're like, yeah, there's a lot of you know, the, the AFC is really deep. Um, you know, all, all of a sudden, um, could be some fun playoff matchups there, and some some ideas where it's like. Yeah, the Bills look good, and again, last night just boat raced the Titans. Um, but like, you know, all these people, all the people focused on the Bills, and you're like, the Bills probably have like a harder role, you know, a, you know, a whole, uh, you know, a harder road to go, go to going anywhere than we do, just because of how loaded yeah. the AFC is. And what's uh, I go back to that comment? What did I don't see? I didn't see who that was, but he said the whole AFC West is loaded. Yeah, I mean the, the AFC West in general. Um, Not the Broncos. You know, the Broncos now, but see, the Broncos for me, like Russell Wilson is like, he just looks, you, you guys, first of all, here's where the Broncos, like the Broncos won seven games last year. So the roster is really not that good. And I think a lot of people fell in love with the idea that Russell Wilson's going to come in there and all of a sudden make him like a 13 win team. He could turn that, like, they thought he could turn seven in, in, in 10. Into 13. In You're like, yeah, 10, Russell Wilson in, might turn seven into nine or seven into 10, but he's not yeah. worth like six extra wins. Like that's fucking insanity. Like. He's not that good. Like, he might turn seven wins into ten wins and you're a playoff team. But they're not going to be anything with Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, what the hell? Dude, this dude made the same mistake two weeks in a row. Like, after the whole shenanigans that happened on the on, on the game to open up the year against Seattle, where they fucked everything up with a minute to go in that game, he did the same fucking thing late in the game 
um, you're like at one point in the game in week two and like let the clock way run way down. And then they called the timeout after wasting like 40 seconds. Then they got called for a delay of game penalty and took themselves out of field goal. Right? The whole thing was just fucking weird. You're like, this dude doesn't know his elbows from his ass. I don't know how he got this job. I mean, is this what it takes? Like you just like you just associated with people like because uh, he was with the power. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, LaFleur, he came from that Shanahan tree. So are we just hiring anybody, like like just anybody that comes from any uh, – well, that's the sexy tree now, so hire a guy. How did this dude sit down and get an interview, and you, you fucking interviewed this dude and went through the process of trying to hire a coach? John Elway's a fucking heavy drinker. We got evidence of this. We know this. This has been revealed now. Like, holy shit. That's got to be like this. This has got to be the, like, the the reason why all this shit keeps happening with Denver. Like, how many shots deep was Elway when he fucking sat down with this dude and thought this shit was a good idea? Because this dude gives me a migraine and he's fucking coached the team for two for two weeks, two games, and I've already got a migraine. I couldn't imagine being being a Broncos fan. Yeah, but and between that and you got Wilson forcing throws, he actually has a better offensive line now than he did in Seattle, but. Did you see him trying? Did, did, did you did you see him trying to fucking scramble out to the left, and then he fell and tripped over his own feet at one point in late in that game? They kicked the field goal on that drive, but you're like, you first of all, you paid this dude two hundred and fifty million dollars, so you cannot go for it on fourth and five in week one, and then like they were not. I, a, I, I, yeah, I don't like. It was not. It I don't even know. Three. Like. It, it, they definitely seem like they like they, they were afraid to put the ball in his hands again in week two. So I don't understand. Like, if you're going to pay a dude money, pay a dude money and say, okay, we ride and die with you. But this is silly. Denver is not going anywhere this year. I think Denver is bad. I, 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 feel, I feel like it, why bring him in? Because uh, it's just going to stunt the growth of Williams because now you're going to you, – you're paying <laughs> Wilson all that money that you are. You invested the draft picks – to bring him in, which I still don't get why they did it at the age that he's at. Granted, Wilson's Wilson, but he's not the same quarterback. And then he go in there and he stinks it up. And Jerry Judy gets hurt because of a pass that Wilson threw. And then the teams just start to shut down Williams and they don't try and uh, play Wilson uh, as safe as they normally do. It's just not happening. It's just not clicking in the head with them, with that offense. Maybe that's what it is. The offense that uh, Wilson's trying to work there just isn't suiting his skills and how he plays, whereas Seattle was a lot different where they knew they didn't have a great offensive line, so they would do a lot of boot legs to the outside, get him in space, let him use his legs to find DK Metcalf or uh, find Lock. Uh, uh, Tyler Lockett and he made plays and then you had the running game there that you were to feed off of at times. Wherever was there, you still tried to get involved and that opened things up. I'm seeing the complete opposite in Denver and they're lucky to be 1-1 one one right now and they should be 0-2 but they beat a Texans team that are definitely on the rebuild who couldn't even get the ball in the end zone and Denver was lucky to get the ball in the end zone in the fourth quarter against them. They're very lucky because the Texans have a sneaky good defense right now the first couple of weeks, and it's just that their offense can't mm -hmm. click right now in that game per se. Like they did a good week one, but now looking at how the Colts are, uh, <laughs> we see why because the Colts have a lot of problems going on uh, being at 
and two, and and of course it's the curse of Carson Wentz with the Colts training him, bringing in Matt Ryan, and they look even worse than ever because uh, to me a lot of yeah. pieces that they're missing on that team that they had the year before and the year before that aren't there anymore. It's just like a, a trickle effect with me with uh, some of these games. But uh, going back to the Dolphins, the, you know what? Don't even don't even mistake the Dolphins made was picking Tua over Herbert. That's the mistake that's always going to make them be like, damn, what if we uh, uh, drafted Herbert? You're never going to live that down. But if Tua can play to the point like he do, does now and to like – Pro Bowl level, you're gonna you're gonna lessen those uh, those people that are gonna critique you, and they're gonna be like, okay, you know what? He's not Justin Herbert, but at least he's a Pro Bowler and playing like one. So it'll be like a little bit like ah, at least we're lucky enough to where he's actually playing like a, like a first round pick. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, right now. Miami might be okay with that decision too because of the way Tua is developing. Um, But yeah, I mean, Herbert's special, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just you being special, um, you know, as a quarterback. But he's he's a special talent. Um, Yeah, the Colts are a mess. Um, The Panthers are a mess. Uh, Matt Rule might get fired before any coach in football. Yeah. you know, I saw that stat the other day. Uh, the other day that the, uh, the the Panthers are one in seventeen in games where they score, um, or the, the games where they like allow opponents to score seventeen or more points. Yeah, and they have a winning record in games where they allow opponents to score less than seventeen points. Well, yeah, of course you better have a winning record in games where yeah. like, teams you know when they're scoring less than seventeen. But how are you? You're one in seventeen in games where teams score more than seventeen points. How bad is your offense? I mean, good lord, that is bad. And this dude still has a job. Like I, Matt, Matt Rule. It's like one of those like people like are so convinced. Oh, yeah, that guy knows how to build a program. Like, does he? Maybe in college, but he ain't built shit in the NFL so far. Maybe that's why there's a new GM and a new coach. And they're trying to work with that. So. We got Don Dumb putting in MC wildcard spots, finna be crazy. Everything's crazy right now with it just being week two. And there's a lot going on right now that we didn't expect to go on. But I think one. Yeah, of- the NFC for me is a little bit more wide open as far as yeah. what, what could happen, um, you know, what teams could move their way into the picture. I mean, the AFC is like seven or eight teams deep, the NFC is probably more like five teams deep. I was surprised to see the Jag. Well, I'm not surprised because it was in Jacksonville, but for the Jaguars to shut out the Colts, uh, twenty-four to nothing. Like, I'm not surprised that they won because of the win streak that they have against the Colts in Jacksonville. But for them to shut them out and to beat them the way that they did, the Colts just looked bad, very bad. And it's like this is the team that we're like, okay, the one. Uh, part of the Colts uh, last year that we criticized was Wentz, and that's why a lot of people are saying they don't they missed the playoffs. So what do they do? 
the trade rents bringing Matt Ryan, who has playoff winning experience. He's been to the Super Bowl. He played on Atlanta, a good quarterback. And for some reason, it just hasn't clicked. It hasn't meshed so far. They are Owen. They're Owen two. Both games are in the division. They they couldn't even beat the Texans. They tie the Texans, and then they go and lose to the uh, to the Jaguars. Uh, like I don't think any team in the in that AFC South want want the win. In two weeks, the AFC South has one win, and of course the the two ties from the Colts and the <laughs> Texans playing each other. You, you, week one, you couldn't even get a team to win, and two teams yeah, played it's, each it's, other. That, yeah, that's a really really <laughs> bad division. Like like, and then you got the Titans who just got blown out of the water. Uh, this past week, and then they didn't look good week one. It's like, who's going to win that division? <laughs> like, like the, the the winner of that division could have seven wins. They could be seven and ten, for all we know. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely is. could be. It definitely could be. Like, like I, I could go out on a limb and say, hey, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Jaguars did just because of how they look in the division so far. You know, I wouldn't even be surprised because it's like, who are you going to go with? I thought it was going to be the Colts, but the Colts can't beat their division uh, opponents in in the Texans and the Jags who are supposed to be three, four win teams. How are they going to beat the good teams when they go up against them? And the Titans look bad. I mean, the Titans, the Titans might be a bottom third team in football. Malik Willis might be starting next week. Um, yeah. They're just, yeah. They are not I, I, I said it when they traded A.J. Brown and they let Hoyo Jones go. I thought Hoyo Jones was uh, past himself, uh, like prime-wise, but I still thought you're losing those dynamic receivers that can make plays. Robert Woods is good, but he's more of a possession guy. And then on the opposite side, you have a rookie in Traylon Burks. So he's going to have a learning curve to go. And one big thing with the Titans is that offensive line's not the same anymore. They're not getting the blocks, and Tannehill's getting hit right away. He's not being able to throw to his wide receivers, and a lot of the load is, again, being put on uh, Henry. And Henry's not going to be able to take that if he's getting nine, eight, nine in the box because teams aren't, uh, like, they're not, like, taking – the beat of the passing game of the Titans because they're like they're not they're not as good so we're just going to single cover those receivers because we know that he's not going to get it to them so we're just going to cover the box and make sure Henry doesn't gash us as much so it's like yeah I mean that's they, a team that's they, gonna that, they're gonna implode yeah they're they're really bad um, I mean you know. It could be. Yeah, I yeah, still think it's, it's, Mike Vrabel. I, th- I still, I still am high on Mike Vrabel. It's yeah, just, Vrabel's phenomenal. They're just in a tough spot, and they're in a rebuilding yeah. stage now. You know what I mean? That's just how that goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, they, 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 Jacksonville could win the division, sure. Um, right now, uh, you would look at them and go, "Yeah, you probably should win the division based off of who was in that division and what that team is." By the way, look at my receding hairline. I don't know if anybody can see that, but look how like that is bad. And I'm having a kid in December. Like <laughs> that's just going to get worse. Like, oh my god. 
Can somebody tell me why Kirk Dart Darius was part of the team? That's because Darius made plays. Like, because because primetime Kurt shows up anytime it's primetime. And primetime Kurt – see, this is what happens when you show up, like, in, like, dad jeans and – like, a, in a dad shirt and khakis. Like, remember he had that fucking interview. The meme was going around all week after he beat the Packers in week one, and he had, like, the like the button-down checkered pattern, like, dad shirt, the ugly dad shirt. You probably own a few of them, Daniel. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, that's what it is. It's part of the dad code. You know, we y'all get like one ugly shirt and like a couple pair of ugly loafers. Like that's how it goes. Yeah, but William, look, William knows what I'm talking about. Before you leave, William, he knows what I mean. Yeah, yeah he's he, he's he's in there. He knows what I mean. You know, but yeah, you, you got the you got the ugly dad shirt and the khakis, and like and uh, you know like the, the Kirk Cousins wears the ugly dad shirt and the khakis. Well, when you show up in prime time, that's not happening. Like it just it's just, it's just you gotta gotta be ready to ball out. Gotta be showing up like Joe Burrow shows up, like he's yeah. Joe Namath. You know what I mean? They gotta be like, "Where's the swag at? Like, where's the you like that? Like, what? What happened? You had a family now, and all of, all of a sudden that swag is gone. Where's the guy that yeah. was yelling? You know, as he was walking through the locker room tunnel when he was at Washington. Now you're showing up like I don't. It's just like this guy. Like you. Like anytime he plays bad, you're just like waiting for like you to become like a walking meme because it's what happens when you like you know have this image. But he's two and eleven or two and twelve now on Monday night games. Good lord. Yeah. Okay, I want to touch on the fact you said it before the the Browns uh, collapse. They lose to the Jets thirty-one to thirty. Of course, uh, what's his name? The rookie Wilson. Yeah, Wilson uh, for uh, the Jets. I believe it was what's his first name? Gabriel Wilson. I believe it is. It's Garrett Wilson. It's Garrett Wilson. He had a game, 14 catches, 130 yards or so, and a couple of touchdowns. He was, of course, Flacco's guy. That's all he had to do. He was like, look for him. He had Ty Conklin. He was looking for late and somehow mustered up the the, the strength to <laughs> to beat the, the Browns in Cleveland when they thought that they had it one, two minutes left. Uh, Got to give it up to the, to the Jets for winning there. And then the last game I want to touch on before we talk about week three real quick, uh, before moving on, of course, is uh, the Patriots. The Patriots beat the Steelers, but at the cost of uh, the running back going down. Uh, I don't know the the update on uh, Harris at the moment, but he had a great, great game, 75, 80 yards and a touchdown. He had the, the run that sealed the, the win for him. But he's hurt now. Uh, if he misses any time, that means they're going to put in room for Dame Stevenson in. Uh, this is the thing in fantasy where you look at the Patriots. Never trust a Patriots running back because you never know who's <laughs> going to be running the ball at any time with Bill Belichick. But I'm starting to look at like the Patriots. They did win, but it's like I don't see it with Matt Jones. Mac Jones. I don't see that it factor with them. He's the least of their issues. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like he really is. Like that team. No, he, they, he, first, he's the, they have no playmakers. Can you name one guy on their offense? Like, like I mean, like, did who catches the football? I don't. I don't know if I can name a single receiver for them that's like worth a damn. Devontae Parker. But he, but he can't get the ball to him. You know. Like I just don't. I don't think he has it. I don't think he has that it factor. He got drafted. He was a Heisman, but what has he done the past year and a half? Like, 
See, I disagree. We, I think I, th I think for me it's similar to what I, what I thought about Jalen and Tua. I don't necessarily think it's not that he doesn't have the it factor. I think the kid's a winner. He's got the it factor. He understands all that. It's just does he have the arm talent? And right now, I don't, I don't, think know, he's I don't a, know if the arm talent. I, I can't even. His arm talent is marginal. It's marginal. I can't, even, I can't even say he's a winner because he only played one year in college. No, I, I mean, I mean the Tua. mindset. Like, like yeah. Jalen, Tua, Mac. They all have that same mindset. They understand. That it's not about them and and, and how yeah. you know and, and how they're supposed to be able to play within the system to help their team win as many football games as possible. But unlike Jalen and Tua, who have kind of taken the next step and shown, hey, we do have the arm talent that everybody was doubting us with, yeah. you're still waiting for that to happen with Matt Jones. And I think it's very telling when they had the game last year in Buffalo where the wind was really bad or whatever, and Belichick ran the ball like 40 times and threw the ball twice. Yeah. You know, that well, kind of tells you a lot about what Mac Jones' arm talent is. Oh, I forgot yeah, Nelson Aguilar's on that team. I'm sorry. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a playmaker. Like, with me, it's like I've seen – before, like, the, this year, I've seen glimpses of Tua having a great game where he looked like he had maybe something and then hurts every now and then. And then he, he shows up here with his arm now more consistently – I haven't really seen that game from Mac Jones. That's like, okay, this is the standout game. I, I, I'm holding out hope for them. I haven't seen any of it. No, yet. I agree. It's, I agree. It, it, that definitely it, hasn't been, happened. It, it's been more of like the Jimmy G with Mac Jones, where he does enough not to maybe make the mistakes, but he's not really helping you out a lot in the offense. He's just sustaining what you have. And hoping the defense can make the plays, and then the running game gets going. And if he makes a play here and there, it is what it is. And I think that's the perfect, uh, like parallel is Jimmy Garoppolo, which is kind of funny because he's a former Patriot in himself. But it's like I haven't seen it yet. I'm hoping to see it. Like I liked Mac Jones in his one year in in college, where he found he was finding Devontae Smith. Every three plays, uh, which helped uh, Devontae Smith win the Heisman. Uh, but uh, I think I just don't think he has it right now at this time. And then, like, I don't think I think they're just going to be lucky to be a 500 team with how the the Bills are playing. You know, of course the uh, the uh, well the Miami Dolphins. The Jets are in, the, in a rebuild right now, but I think the Jets could split a series with the Patriots 1-1 one, one, uh, with how, how they are. But it's like you're starting to see these quarterbacks going that's like that are only playing one year, and you're like, do I need to really see more out of them uh, before I draft them? Like Tannehill only played one year of being the quarterback. He played a year of wide receiver – and then transitioned over to uh, quarterback. You got this guy right here. Uh, there's another one that only played one year. And that's in the in the league right now. Uh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance only played a year. You got a lot of times now people are taking the, the chances on guys because of the potential. And sometimes it cashes, sometimes it doesn't. He said Hunter Henry and Nelly. They, they – they they're trying to build that short passing game in New England with the with the tight ends. Mm -hmm. And he said the Patriot offense is born and bland. They have a Bill Belichick calling the plays. He's not an offensive coordinator. <coughs> it was like that last year with Josh McDaniels. So and Josh McDaniels was the guy 
running the offense last year. So I can't, I wouldn't say you could say that, but overall, was talking to a Pats fan. He said Jones reminds me of him and Alex Smith. Alex Smith could run. I don't see much of Mac yeah. Jones running right yeah, now. Mac, Mac Jones can't run, no. <laughs> Not at all. No, but looking at the week three, uh, of course, the Bills-Dolphins game stands out big time. It's a 1 o'clock game in Miami. That's going to be a very exciting game if we see what we saw from both teams last week. Uh, looking not good, not good. We'll talk to the Eagles in a second. Vikings-Lions might be pretty interesting because uh, we can see if that uh, Lions defense can match up with the Vikings offense. Because we know that the Vikings scored a lot of points against Green Bay. They look good against them. They did a goose egg against us. But we've seen how the Lions have played. And then the Cardinals-Rams, we got to see how that game is. And then the last game that I'm going to look up is the Packers, uh, Packers and Buccaneers in Tampa. Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Uh, are we going to see a, some electric from Rodgers against Brady and vice versa? And what team's going to win? They're, they're both coming in, kind of struggling a little bit offensively in both. We saw Rodgers actually pick it up against the Bears. We're waiting for Brady and the Bucks offense to pick it up. Uh, They've been able to win regardless because of the defense. We gotta we gotta see how that is. But the only thing I'm gonna say with the Eagles with week three is we gotta see more of Hertz progress and get the earlier lead. And the defense has to play. I need to see Gannon dial up the defense like he did week two. If he does it, I feel confident in the Eagles win. And right now I'm going. Right now, I'm going 27 to 14 right now it, it, because I've, I've liked what we, I've seen with the fast starts week one and week two, and I think that it continues, but I want to see a more complete game. I don't want to see first half and then take off the second half. I want to see a complete game where you control the clock, you, you don't take your foot off the pedal, and then you just give it to them the whole game. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to go throttle Washington. I, you know, what's weird is all of a sudden the Giants are 2-0, and and you don't necessarily look at them and go, oh, yeah, you're a good team and you're a threat, but, hey, you're 2-0, and we're 2-0. and So, yeah. yeah, I mean, but you, you need, you know, this is you know, this is a team that you look at and go, every single week I want us to be throttling teams and, and, and you know, sticking it to teams, you know, with, with our best performance. And Washington, their defenses look bad, like I said. I think we go roll in this game uh, right now. We just let everything keep clicking and, and, and rolling the way it is, and we, we're we going to go in and, and, and roll Washington here and, uh, with a big performance. Yeah, and I, I feel like it will happen, of course. Uh, some, of the, some of the matchups that you have with it, of course, is wide receivers against their secondary. I like the matchups. Of course, our offensive line against their defensive line. They do have a good defensive line, the rotation, we got to be able to uh, keep the blocks, uh, avoid the pressure, and allow uh, Hurts the time to throw. And of course, with our defense, it's of course it's once again it's going to be our secondary against our wide receivers. Our wide receivers are uh, very dynamic. Dotson is playing well. We know uh, Scary Terry and how he does. 
And, and then, of course, Curtis Samuel. We got to be able to contain them, not give up big plays. And I, I feel like with Slay and Bradbury there and the safeties, we should be able to do a good job. I think uh, Slay is going to be on uh, Terry McClellan majority of the game because of his uh, big play capability. We just gotta we gotta be disciplined and and we should come out with a victory if we can stay disciplined and not make those big mistakes like we did in the second half of week one uh, against the Lions because that's we weren't disciplined enough and we weren't tackling well whereas we too we were doing everything really well at home we're gonna be on the road again uh, like I always look at division games where even if the team's bad. They know you uh, from playing you so much that they can sneak out a win if you don't play to your potential. But this should be an easy, to me, an easy win for us. Not say blowing them out, but we should get the victory here. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, we should get the victory regardless. But yeah, blowing yeah. them out would would be nice, and we definitely have the potential to blow them out. So, um. Yeah, you know, um, you just want to keep it going. You just want to keep. You just want to keep performing at the level that you have been. No steps back. You know, just you know, you either moving forward or you're moving backwards, right? There's no such thing as as, as staying the same. So yeah, you want to keep going in the right direction, and it'll be hard to top, you know, the performance from last night. But you want to have a similar performance now next week, right? It's, you want to keep this going week in and week out. Same type of performances on a consistent basis. Yep, definitely so. But uh, let's switch things up and move to the next topic that we have for you. But before we do, how about you tell everybody about becoming an A2D member? Yeah, becoming an A2D member, it's only $9.99 a month. And perks include appearances on shows, members-only streams, shout-outs, weekly sports picks from the Money Pop podcast in Willie Vegas. So lots of different things that, you know, if you're somebody like me that enjoys betting on sports, in different ways, um, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, for nine ninety nine a month, you ain't going to get a better deal out there and, and yeah. you know, just all types of money to be made. It's football season. You got to jump on it while you can. Exactly. But now we're going to talk about an interesting uh, uh, subject that I wanted to uh, talk about tonight and bring it up to you. Uh, yesterday, you were on board about it. Uh, let's talk about uh, Becky Hammond as a head coach. Of course, we see the other day she, in her first year as head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, goes in. Her team finishes first place in the in the division uh, in the regular season, and then goes and wins the WNBA title. This is a woman that sat uh, behind. Uh, Greg Popovich for seven years as an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs. There was even teams that were looking to hire her as a head coach, wind up not doing so. But then she goes in one year and wins a championship with uh, the Aces in the WNBA. She has experience overseas. Uh, looking at it right now, she's coached uh, several teams. In Moscow, of course, she's coached in Russia. She's coached uh, four different teams over there. She's done well there. She's played for uh, in the WNBA for the Liberty and the Stars. She has won multiple cha- like 
like all star uh, appearances. I think she's won a championship as a player, and she had in like in over ten year career as a player. But I think it's time that the NBA needs to hire her. I think there's with the some of the head coaches that we have in the league right now. I can't say that they're better than her as a head coach with what I've seen from her. And I think she needs the, she needs that opportunity uh, to, uh, to become an NBA coach because of the work. I think she deserves a head coaching job after, after what she did in one year with the Las Vegas aces. This is a team that never won. They never won. They they moved from I believe, I believe San Antonio, or they moved from one city to Las Vegas. They've only been there for two three years, and they've already just right right away under her win a championship. You would think that a like a like a team that's in rebuild mode would look at that and be like, damn, I think she could help this team, knowing that she worked with uh, in the Spurs system for that long. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she should have had a head coaching job already. And, I mean, if you're being honest, the reason she hasn't had a head coaching job in the NBA is because she's a woman. I mean, and that's really just yeah. the bottom line with it. Um, you know, and people will be like, oh, you want to claim it's sex. Well, it is. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. If she was a man, she'd have a head coaching job already. She's not a man, so she doesn't. Um, you know, and at some point that'll change, and she'll probably get a head coaching job because she's that good of a coach. Where the opportunity, you know, she'll finally have, you know, nobody, a team will have, you know, an organization will have no choice but to give her the opportunity because she's just going to bust down the door. But I mean, like you said, there's plenty of people that we've watched around the league um, and that we see around the league right now as head coaches where you're like, why is it like how many, like how many times has this guy had an opportunity? This is like his third or fourth job. He's not any good. Like, yeah, the Bobcats just the I mean uh, the, the Hornets for whatever just literally hired somebody that was their head coach like three years ago. Like they just rehired no, no, no. that no, guy no, 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 after no, no. firing exactly. their current guy. They just rehired no, somebody no, no, that no, used no, to no. be their coach like three years ago. No, no, they fired him. No, no, they, they they got rid of him and then they brought him back two weeks later. They literally hired the guy that they literally fired and brought him back two weeks later because the guy that they wanted. Wind up going to another team, so they just brought him back. So it's like, oh, we fired you, but here, come back to us, like you know, yeah, like, <laughs> like you 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 telling me, Becky, like, are you kidding me right now? Hey, Michael, like you guys are absolutely irrelevant. I know, like you hate losing. You had the Charlotte Hornet, and you, I know, you want to build. Okay, well, why not hire? Like, doesn't that make a splash hiring Becky Hammond as your head coach? Like, fuck it. What what's the worst that could happen here? You know, it's not like you've been any good at any point since you own the damn team. You had like two playoff appearances or whatever. I mean, that's just like, I don't understand that. Oh, well, like, I, I know because like nobody wants to come coach for you because you're probably such a perfectionist and you demand such excellence that like this is why like yeah. nobody can coach there for more than three years without getting their ass canned because nothing's ever good enough for you. But I mean, at some point, like you just look around at some of the names that get hired around the league and you're just like, okay, like really? Okay. Well, good luck with that. Like the, the, you, you can't tell me that Becky Hammond's not a better coach than like probably 20 people in the NBA already. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, like there's she, she would already be like better than half the coaches in the league. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good she is. And I think she's proven that that's how good she is. And it just hasn't happened yet. Like, you just look at some of the teams there that are like just bad week in and week out, like year in and year out. It's like, Do you watch some of these teams and you just feel like their head coach is literally just wasting a spot on the bench? You're just like, he's just a guy that sits there and just like, oh, like, hi, like, you're just. 
oh, I know that you're the head coach because they like every broadcast, like this guy's the head coach. But what are you actually bringing in value to the team? <laughs> like, seems like half of these dudes don't do anything to actually make the team any better. Like, you know what I mean? You're just like, there's zero I'll like in game. I'll name impact. a team right off the bat. I'll name a team right off the bat that uh, should hire her because they just suck and it's the Orlando Magic. When was the last time Orlando Magic there you go. Sure. Made, made the playoffs? Like they, they they've never been great in the past. How many top five picks have they had? Those picks haven't panned out. Uh, I don't think it's because of the uh, of the player half the time. I think they've gotten some out of those players and they're starting to now. But it's like at one point, is it like is it you don't have the coach there that's going to get the most out of the player, and then she gets the most out of her players. Like she had the respect of the Spurs team, and this is the team where she, when she came in, they still had Tim Duncan, they still had Ginobili, they still had Parker, they had Kawhi Leonard. They all respected her. They knew she could do what she did. And then Tim Duncan has come out and said that he enjoyed uh, coaching with her because he's on the he was on the staff as well. He's the assistant head coach right now for Popovich with the Spurs. But you go in there, and you got these teams that just don't win. It's like the Magic. Now you've seen the Minnesota Timberwolves win, so they kind of get off. You got the Knicks. Like, what better way to, to have her become a head coach than the Knicks? Talk about a big splash yeah, there. there you go. The, yeah, like <laughs> go, go get ballsy uh, right there. That's a way to get the New York uh, fans in the frenzy is to hire. Becky Hammond, come on now. What, what do you well, have to lose? But look if we're at, being honest about the league. Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. No, I said just look at her her, her portfolio and what she's done. It, it, like uh, like I said, she's coached overseas. She's assistant coached here for eight years, and now she's one year as head coach WNBA, and she has a title. It's not like she's coming in with no experience. She's worked her way. And she's uh, worked under one of the best minds of head coaching wise in our generation in Greg Popovich, who has won five championships with the, the Spurs. He's created that Spurs franchise and it's been under him uh, and how he coaches. And she's taken that. She's taken the little pieces of people that she's worked under or played for and has developed her own system. <clears throat> and, you know, you know what? What what other uh, head coaches right now you can say are doing well with their first job? It's like, oh, I'm gonna hire this guy, and Orlando hasn't won in ten years. They just haven't. Charlotte had one good year. Uh, they bring they fire him, bring him back two weeks later for no reason at all. The the Nets took a chance on Steve Nash just because he's a he, just because he has the relationship at the time with. Uh, Durant in Golden State, and they have friction right now. You get a lot of these situations where it's like, how did this guy become a head coach? But then you've got her who has a decorated past, worked out under him. You get all these Spurs assistants are getting head coaching jobs, but not her. And she was a Spurs assistant coach. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good point where guys like Steve yeah. Nash get hired without any type of coaching experience, and she's actually like, you know, paid her dues and kind of like, yeah. you know, really proven her worth as an assistant coach and somebody that is talented enough to, you know, be a head coach in this league and guys like Steve Nash get hired with zero experience. Right. And like things yeah. like that, 
you're just like how how like that that's that shouldn't be a thing but when you look at the, some of these owners like we just saw the story in phoenix with the owner you know and 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 some of the language he was using the way that he's treating employees and and just the workplace environment he just got fined like 10 million dollars or whatever you know and you're gonna have all these people complaining about like oh it's just people being you know oh, it's this woke movement and uh, no like you, you can't just like you can't just be a billionaire that goes around fucking being a bigot like that in a work environment and like not have consequences to it. But when you look at the big picture of all this, this is why people like Becky Hammond haven't gotten an opportunity yet. Because when you got a bigot like that, that's owning your team, you really think he's going to hire a woman to fucking coach a bunch of men and sit there with his, like with like that guy, the way he talks is like everything about him. Yeah. The reason he just got in trouble with the NBA Sarver, whatever the guy's name is, you know, his last name, the owner of the yeah. Suns. And you look at it, you go, well, the reason that that guy's not going to hire a guy like Becky Hammond is obvious because he's a bigot and he's going to sit there with this idea that it's a woman in a man's world and like she's got no chance to go coach, you know, and and, and like, oh, it's one thing for her to go coach women and, and be able to have that impact. But she can't step into a locker room full of men and have the same impact because why is a woman's place in the kitchen and she's supposed to be washing dishes and making your dinner or something like, is that the mindset we're going with? Because that's how these dudes act. And that's how a lot of these old fucking billionaires that own these teams. You know, and and, and t- like we saw it with, with Sterling with the Clippers when he got in trouble years back for it. Now you got Sarver with the Suns. And I think big picture, as much as people are going to try to probably call me out and say that I'm like trying to create a narrative that isn't theirs, I think it's completely there. And I think the evidence is there that this is why things like this happen. Um, I mean, like somebody like her won't get an opportunity unless the right owner is in a position to be like, yeah, I don't care about any of that and hire her. But the Knicks, yeah, that's a great opportunity. But Dolan's proven himself to be a complete asshole, too. You really think Dolan's going to yeah. hire somebody like her? Like, come on. But fun fact, uh, of course, Quinn Snyder stepped down as the coach of the Utah Jazz. He got replaced by Will Hardy, who was assistant with the with the Boston Celtics for a year. Guess what team he was assistant under before that from 2015 to 2011, 2021? Guess what team? Who's that? The Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> so another Spurs, he literally worked with – uh, Duncan and Becky Hammond as assistant. He was one of the three assistants, and that's why he went over to, uh, uh, of course, Boston when uh, uh, Ima Aduka took over the Celtics. He was his uh, number one assistant there. Uh, but if you look at that, look just look at some of the names. Wes Unsell Jr. is the coach of the Wizards. What, what have they done? Nick Nurse, he's good. Popovich. Exactly. The Sacramento Kings, they hire Mike Brown. Why is Mike Brown getting a, another coaching job? You got Chauncey Billups of the Blazers. <laughs> he, 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 like, he deserves yeah, another it. One. You're like, Chauncey Billups is getting a job. Why couldn't Becky Hammond get that job? Right. Like, you got Monty Williams of the Suns. He's done a good job. And I actually Doc think Rivers. Monty Williams is a good coach. I think he's actually proven his worth as a coach. He's, you know, he's pretty damn good. I don't have any complaints yeah. there. You got Jamal Mosley, who's the coach of the Magic. He he, he took over last year. He he's, he's been assistant for a long time, so I give him like a, like a credit there. But it's like they just were bad. Mark Dagnew of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's worked just with the Oklahoma City Thunder. A very young kid, thirty seven. I think she could have been coached there. Tom Thibodeau, we know him. <laughs> Do you see yeah. who who coaches the new one, the New Orleans Pelicans? Yeah, well, they're another one that's always like they have somebody irrelevant coaching them. Worry Green. Yeah, that's fun. 
former Sixers he was, player. He was Monty Williams' assistant, I think, wasn't he? He was and Golden State. Yeah. He was with Golden State as well, but yeah. he was only assistant That's for right. a year. But I mean, like, did they sit here and they bitch and whine about, oh, like, well, Zion Williamson, he's overweight, he doesn't stay in shape. Great, you know what he needs? Like Becky Hammond in there, like getting yelling at you, like mom. Remember how mom used to do? Yeah, remember <laughs> mom all over your ass about everything. That don't whip a young kid like that into shape. You think she won't have it? That's what I was always saying when people tell me, like, oh, like, well, you really think she could step in in a man's world and coach man? Like, who were you more scared of growing up, mom or dad? Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, really, then you think about it, like, and then men are married, and like, like any ask any married man who's running the household, like, you listen to your wife when she tells you shit, happy wife, happy life. Get the fuck out of here that Becky Hammond wouldn't step into like an NBA role and like, you know, whatever attention, whatever she needed to do to get the attention of these dudes to make sure they're, you know, do. Doing shit, you know, whatever the way that they, she wants them to do it, like that they would, like I don't think that'd be any issue. I just think that's nonsense. Uh, and I hear, and I've heard the narrative people are like, oh well, you're creating that narrative. No, I've actually had this conversation with plenty of people who I've heard personally, you know, say this type of shit about why like she isn't getting a job and like why you know, oh well, you got to be careful hiring her in a situation like that because of that. I think it's all bullshit. She, she has the great. You know, I don't like private media at all. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Uh, I think it's the fact that he was promised a job, and then they didn't hire him. But then they wind up hiring him anyway a week later. Yeah, so no reason he's crying. But she she is definitely like the Greg Popovich protege because just like you said, you don't hear her saying anything, ever making a comment. She's just going there, coaching, building up her, the type of coach that she is. She finally gets a chance, granted WWMBA, but she makes the most most of it does a great job with it and she's just uh, like she's just there she's drawn at the bit to get the nba you know that she wants to coach a team i look at the team like the houston rockets why can't she coach them they're in disarray right now uh they they traded harden almost all the pieces that they got for harden are gone now they're getting top five picks here and there why don't you give her the team let her uh, like grow that that young talent there, and put him in a great position to win. Why not try that? Like you got a guy that's been there for three years and he hasn't won. It's not gonna it, it's not gonna get any better with less talent there. <laughs> so why don't you give her a chance at it and, and see what she can do? Because she's already shown in. She's coached a couple games for the Spurs when Popovich was uh, was uh, suspended. She's had the experience here. She has the experience with the the Aces. She deserves a shot. Like it, I think there's a two year window now where I feel like if she doesn't get that shot in the next two years, they're they're going to be big issues because like at what point then are you going to ever hire her because she's. Every year, she's in the talks. Uh, you see uh, head coaching candidates. She's always there, but no one hires her. When is somebody going to step up and say, she deserves this, she deserves that? And does it come to a point where maybe Greg Popovich has to come out and say, yo, you guys need to hire her uh, like now, like – it's still, I mean, it's still to. possible he could step down and at some point, like, because, you know, he's not going to coach forever. And if he steps down and all he has to do is say, yeah, I think she should coach, you know, get the coaching job and she'll probably get I hired disagree. to get the coaching I job. Dis I disagree with this. Rockets are in rebuild mode. They don't want a good coach. You would think that they would want a good coach in a rebuild because the a good coach will help 
with the rebuild. Well, like, what Especially you all those young kids. Again. Yeah. That's that's where the coach can grow with the players, grow with them. She has that stern mentality. She can make sure that they don't fuck off and they're there to play. They're there to execute. Because to me, that's what the Rockets lack is ex- execution. They don't execute because they they know that they feel like they're going to lose already. She's going to change the culture there because the culture is a big deal with the Spurs. They, it's all about culture there and the mentality and just you got to win. You got to be per- not perfect, but you got to almost be perfect at what you do. And she'll be the difference maker there. And I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but she could be the difference, in my opinion, in between a 18-win Rockets team and, say, a 33-win t- Rockets team in one year. I be- I really believe that she could be be a difference maker like that. And that's with just one year. And I feel like mm. she could grow grow team. That's how good of a coaching prospect she is. By the way, the Phillies lost 18 to 11 tonight, so that's fun. I know at one point it was four nothing, so you know, gave up a couple of touchdowns. You know, it's just like this is like again, whether we make the playoffs or not, this is not trending in the right direction as far as you go. We're playing good teams. No. You just got swept by the Braves. Now you're against Toronto. You look like shit. You gave up three in the first, four in the first inning, whatever it was. You're immediately in a hole that you can't dig yourself out of. You know, it's just, you know, it's this this got to change in a hurry here because, I mean, you could you could collapse and, you know, cost yourself a playoff spot, but you definitely – I mean, you just got to get your shit together here in this situation as far as, um, you know, just how you're playing and, and, and getting back to, to being solid in every facet because our bullpen was really good for a while and our pitching was really good for a while, and now it's just not. So guess what head coach uh, Becky Hammond replaced on the Aces – Bill Lambeer. Yes. I just <laughs> saw that, and I'm like, that's kind of funny that you replaced the NBA uh, Hall of Famer, which, which is uh, crazy. And then he couldn't get the job done, but she could. So to me, that says uh, that says a lot. But uh, speaking of the Phillies, we'll get into that before we uh, wrap things up, but before we talk about, uh, of course, the Phillies and their playoff uh, push slowly uh, decreasing if they keep on losing, why don't you tell everybody about Manscaped? Well, Manscaped, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code A2D at manscaped.com. It's 20 plus, 20% off plus free shipping with the code A2D at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Manscape. I had to bring up up this uh, comment because it made me laugh. They both outscored the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, at least if the Phillies were going up against the Vikings, they would have won. But too bad they couldn't outscore the the Toronto uh, Blue Jays. Just another loss. Was that four straight losses now? Yeah, yeah, it's four straight, and you're just kind of in a position where, you know, you're in a stretch with your schedule where you've got some good teams here, and and it's 
it's really crucial. I mean, this is this is a big, big stretch of your of your schedule here in September. Good teams got to prove you can go beat the good teams, not just because you got to be able to prove that you can, you know, compete in the playoffs, but because you've got to be able to, you know, make the playoffs first. And winning these games is going to be important to to make that happen. So, um, you know, but yeah, on top of that, you're like, who wants to go to the playoffs and just not where because we both know we're not good enough to compete with anybody. Um, and you're in danger of that happening too. So, and once again, like, like I said last week, we lose, we're on a losing streak, but what happened? Milwaukee lost again to the Mets seven to five. So it's like, it's like, up. Oh, who can lose, who can keep losing and, and keep the other out? It's like the Phillies are like, okay, we're on a four game losing streak. And then the Brewers are like, here you go. We can beat that. Uh, we, we're not going to gain ground on you because we're just lose. <laughs> so that two and a half game lead on them still stays intact. But the big thing is, is the the Padres win again. The Padres are going to grow that uh, that lead for the number two spot. So if that continues to happen, then likely you're going to get that Padres Braves matchup in the wild card, and then we're more so just worrying about fighting the Brewers for that last spot to play the St. Louis Cardinals <coughs> in the wild card. And it's like, I'm still comfortable playing them, but like, I need to see something out of this team. Like that they scored tonight, but then uh, whereas they couldn't score the last three, but you score 11, but you give up 18. So it's like, you think you need the pitching to sync up with the hidden and vice versa, like five innings and seven runs from Gibson, but then the the staple of your your team has been your bullpen, and your bullpen gave up <laughs> nine runs. So it's like here's Pujols, and, and you got to and you got to a point where Garrett Stubbs, your backup catcher, had to pitch two thirds of an inning at the end of the game where he had one strikeout. He had a strikeout. Your backup, he had more strikeouts than three of your uh, three of your uh, relievers that are actual pitchers. Pujols hitting live on TBS right now. Everybody's got their what? phones out. People recording. It's uh, pa- Padres Cardinals, and then the seventh inning, Pujols is up. So, yeah, the Padres up like four or five nothing. And I saw yeah. today that Judge hit number sixty today. Hit number sixty. Yep. Yeah, so he's hit that, which is a great feat in this, uh, to me, in this year, uh, like uh, day and age of the uh, home run era because it's it's home run or bust with these teams now. But it's like, I don't know what it is. Like, you got the b- better ballparks now where it's easier to hit home runs, but you're not getting uh, the, the, the amount. Like you mm. are back back in the nineties, but I guess that you can say that that probably uh, is because of steroids. There's not enough steroid use now, so it's like he knew he had a pitch to hit there. He got a hanging breaking ball, and he hit yeah. a ground ball to shortstop, but it was a hanging slider. What what, what is what is he at now? Six ninety eight, right? Six ninety eight. Yeah, he just shook his head. He knew he had a chance at it. That's when you're like, oh, hanging breaking ball. Oh. Uh, that's that's crazy. 
Uh, we got Ted. She's the Steve Kerr that WNBA took took a team, won a title the next year. Maybe if she wins more titles, teams will be bidding for her. And then Padres up four nothing in the sixth. Need St. Louis to come back and beat them. Or be a half game back. I'm not really worried about that because it's like they're already in it, and it's like you're only worried about who's behind you, in in the sense. But you want to you need to start winning. The Padres are taking advantage of what they get, whereas the Phillies and the Brewers aren't taking advantage of anything. They're just losing, and I need to see some consistency out. And I bet you. And I'm not joking when I when I say this with the with the Phillies, but watch tomorrow the Phillies got Wheeler going, and then the game after they got Suarez, and then I think Noah. Uh, I guess Bailey Falter is hurt. I guess it is. I oh, guess he's fun. hurt because the, because I don't I haven't seen him pitch in a little while, and it makes me think that yeah, who pitched on Sunday? Oh, he pitched on Sunday, four innings, four hits, three Ks. This is a guy you, you, even though he's not the best, you need to get him pitching as much as possible because he he has a winning record the last two months. He's been your best pitcher, and it's like if your top pitchers can't pitch right now, then it's like you're going to make the playoffs and get swept because you're not getting the pitching or the hitting. <clears throat> he said, damn, he surprised Ryan Howard, who was two away, wasn't able to get the those last two outs. But it's like, how do you feel about the Phillies right now? What do you think's going wrong? Like, what do you think is the one thing that's like the big factor with them losing? I, I don't know. It's just you, you got to play better baseball, right? Like, I mean, it's it's really just the bottom line with it. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know if you could pinpoint anyone. Obviously, you can't give up 18 runs in a game. Um, you know, that 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 doesn't help. You got to get your pitching back on point. Nola's got to be able to go up against good teams and actually put in an ace like performance. Um, it's it's just right now, it's all been a struggle. None of it's been any good. You know, you got to, we had a lead in game one against the Braves. We had a 2 1 lead. We blew it late, you know, and you cough away that game. And, it's things like that where, like, you know, you, you got that game to a point where, you you know, you, you trust your bullpen to to, try to hold a lead for you, and, and they don't do it. And and those are things that just have to happen um, in games of that nature. And this – and part of, part of this with me is this is where not knowing who your closer is kills you at the end of, at the, end of the day because how many times have they reshuffled the closer spot? And, like, I thought they had it in Sir Anthony Dominguez. He gets hurt. And they, like I said all along, it should have been him. He was doing good. But then you float between him, you got Brad Hand, uh, they got two other guys that they go to. And it's like, stick with one guy and go with him. Trust him. Because, like, I feel like some of the pitchers are losing momentum. They're losing confidence because they're getting moved in and out of spots like crazy. And the one big thing with them early on in the first half of the season was they all had their own uh, like identity in the in the bullpen. They knew where they were, they pitched there, and they got comfortable there. And in the second half of the season, it's been like the wild, wild west. 
It's like you don't know who's going to pitch where, when, why. You got guys getting hurt, and like Noah's been hurt. Wheeler, of course, it just came back. You have Eflin, who's been out. It's like Gibson's been hot and cold. Like, like I said before, your most consistent pitcher has been barely falter since August 1st. He's been the most consistent down the stretch. And he only went four innings the other day. And I feel like this is the worst time to be doing this is September. Like, you, this is what you want to do in July, where then in August and September, you correct the, the mistakes, you get back in the group of things, and then you get into uh, September, October, and go on a roll. And they're like, nope. They're like, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to go on a tear in June, July, and part of August, and then we're going to just tail spin in September. This is what we, we've known for the Mets the last uh, two, three, four, five years. And now the Mets are doing good, and they clinched the, the first place or the playoff spot. And we're fighting to even be lucky to be the last playoff spot in there. Only because <laughs> the Milwaukee Brewers can't win to see the life when we lose. They, the, the, the amount of chances the Milwaukee Brewers have had to capitalize on our losses, I can count probably almost 20. Almost 20. And they've maybe cap, capitalized on four of them, and that's it. Look at this dude, Packy Nolton. <laughs> oh, and he's a lefty. Of course he is. He just fell off the mound like Mitch Williams. Yeah, we gave our picks for uh, week three already uh, in the Eagles game already. We did that earlier. And we both picked the Eagles, of course. But uh, do you have anything to say on the Phillies before we wrap things up? No, they're kind of embarrassing right now and not worth talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, like like the past month we've had a lot more to say about them, but right now it's like you're not going to waste your breath on it if they're not going to show what they showed to us in the summer. It's like, oh, if the summer's over, it's September. Let's not play to the way that we are. I thought they could have been to the point where they might have been able to catch the Braves at one point, but that fizzled down fast. Then I thought I was I was like okay the praying great they should be able to get the ninety wins at least and be the number two now I'm uh, I don't even think that's possible mm-hmm. unless they go on a winning streak it, it's it's they can but they have to start being these teams that they need to be you can't get get like of course you can't get swept by the Braves and then lose eighteen eleven to the to the Blue Jays at the next game. And then be like, okay, we'll wake up now. No, you got to play every single game like it's the last. And you got to go in and try and get like a winning streak going, going into the playoffs, the ride <coughs> high. Because once you get to the playoffs, it's a different beast. Anything goes in anything, especially baseball. We've seen where the it feels like the wild card team, when they come in and they win, they get hot. They're the, they're the most dangerous team because they're playing all these games, whereas a team might sit a week because of being like on the bye. So I think we need to get that identity out and we need to wake up quickly or we're just going to be a team that looks into the last spot and then gets swept. Uh, that's, that's how I feel Pretty about much. It. 
but, yeah, pretty uh, much. Other, other than that, that'll wrap things up with the, today's show. I'll let you uh, uh, just have the last word. And, and I, I'm, I mean, I've said everything I need to say tonight. It is what it is. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that'll wrap things up with uh, tonight's episode of the Weekly Roundup. We will be back next week, of course, where we'll do a week uh, week three uh, recap and a week four preview. I'm sure we will talk more next week about how the Phillies are either being more disappointed than they were this week, or maybe they have finally decided to wake things up and get the bats and the, the pitching going in unison together. And then whatever brings up, I know that the training camp should be starting soon for the Sixers, and then we should get a little bit more talk on the Flyers. Of course, they had some bad news in there, so it's almost that time to wear all all four sports will be going at the same time. But uh, other than that, of course, I am uh, Dan, and this is Zach. Weekly roundup, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Peace out.